Hey everybody, this is Lonnie Sweet from the Sweet Management Group, and you are either listening to or watching the Never Sell Ice to Eskimos podcast, where we talk to uh, sales executives from the culinary, sports, general business, and entertainment worlds about their journey, uh, about being a salesperson in this industry, and what it took to get to where they are today. So whether you're listening in your earbuds, you're sitting in front of your computer, I appreciate you stopping by and hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome to the Never Sell Ice to Eskimos podcast. My name is Lonnie Sweet. I'm the CEO of Sweet Management Group, formerly of the formerly called the Connect Group. Um, this is our first podcast, and, and I think it's really awesome that I got my guy Russ Spielman on here with me for the first one because uh, man, he was a, he was there in the beginning. And, and I'm going to tell the story in a second, Russ, about like coming down to New Jersey and just happening to be in your neighborhood and happening to stop in there. But Russ exactly. is, um, yeah, exactly. Currently the founder principal of GC worldwide. Um, he's one of the best um, talent marketing sales guys in the business. He's been representing some of the best athletes in the world, like Bo Jackson, Steve Young. And I just saw him out in Vegas the other day at the draft where he's representing Sauce Gardner, who just got drafted to the New York Jets. He also represents Nick Mangold. And then more importantly, Russ is just one of the better human beings that I've worked with over the years. And so this Never Sell Ice Decimals podcast is really about highlighting people's sales journeys um, and demystifying that word being a salesperson. And so for me, as I thought about my process and my journey, right, which is now 20 plus years, having you on first, man, was super important to me because of what you meant to me, you know, as a young buck and just kind of being a friend over the last 20 years, which is crazy to say it's, it's been a really long time. Uh, but just to have like a, you know, just to have fun and just talk about, you know, you and kind of where you've been and kind of our journey together um in this sales world in this talent world and so i i really appreciate you coming on man i really do oh, it, it's awesome and you know you never forget your first so it, it's humbling to be your first yeah and, and your your journey is true it's one of my cocktail party stories and actually it's like a cocktail party story about how people should do this that was when young kids were really aggressive and did whatever it took to get in i don't know yeah, i sound like the old man get off my lawn but uh, uh, uh Hundred percent. So this just for everybody that's listening to this, and I'm sure uh, people that know me well enough have heard me say the story fifty times. I was working at the tennis hall of fame at the time. I was kind of miserable in my job. I was looking for something new, and I literally did go down to an interview in Central Jersey to possibly go on to the Milk Tour and actually travel around the country and do an exhibit of the Milk Tour. And so Russ was, you know, um, you know, kind of pseudo friends with with one of my cousins my cousin's husband, Justin. And I literally called him and was like, Hey Russ, I'm in the neighborhood. I was like, yeah. I don't know, an hour away in central Jersey, driving back to Newport, Rhode Island. And I was like, I'm in the neighborhood. Do you mind if I stop by? And I could tell you, I still remember exactly what I'm wearing. I was wearing like this, this stupid gold jacket or whatever the hell it was. And you're like, yeah, sure. Come on by. And I remember I met with you and I met with Eric Bechtel and um, I sat with Eric and I sat with you and it was like, I was like just some schmuck kid. Right? I remember I was like casual. I'm leaning back and I'm talking to Russ and blah, blah, blah. And like little did you know, and I guess I wasn't smart enough to realize it at the time. Like I went to school for sports management, right? We both did. And as yeah. the facts or ISI at the time really was starting to become the gold standard. So 
I didn't realize I wanted to get into talent. I didn't even know what the fuck that was, right? And so being able to meet you in that moment, I think it was on like a Tuesday. I think you offered me like the, the unpaid internship on a Thursday. And I started on like that following Tuesday without a place to live, right? So thankfully I lived in a furnished apartment in Newport, Rhode Island. And I was driving a small silver Honda Civic. And I like packed up my shit without a place to live and moved down to New Jersey, which being a mass hole that I am, I was like, New Jersey. But the only thing I knew was that my wife was from there and I kept on coming back during college, didn't have a place to live, ended up meeting, you know, Jim Tucker, like the second week that I was at, at ISI or SFX and moved in with him. And like, the rest is history, man. It was like, it literally was one of those things where just like, I'm, I'm literally in your neighborhood and it, and it worked out. My version of the story makes you sound even better, by the way. My version is <laughs> that, you know, we, the office is East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is pretty much near nothing except MetLife Stadium now, right. the Meadowlands at the time. And you were in Newport and you called me and said, hey, I'm going to be in the neighborhood, air quotes, and uh, I'd love to stop by. And I said, wow, you're going to be in East Rutherford? Nobody's in East <laughs> Rutherford. you got to come by. And then you hung up the phone and then you drove down and you got there in time for the meeting. That's my version of the story. Makes you sound so much better. better. That is so much better. And then you came and you sat in my office and you impressed me with your, your moxie and your gumption. And, and then I said, I, you got to dude, you came all the way down from Rhode Island. You got to meet some other people. You might've told me the truth at the time. And that's when I started walking you around the office to meet some people. So I think my my version makes you sound even better, but uh, I, I love it. And look, this this business is you got to do more than anyone else will. You just oh, have to because now, especially nowadays, there's just people are just dying to get into the business, doing whatever it takes to yeah. get the client. You know, it's funny. I, I you're just telling that story, and I'm thinking about our office in East Rutherford, and and you know where my you know just walking through those hallways, right? Like once you just walk through and around the corner and you have the glass offices on the right. And like, you know, you had, you know, Ted Dalton was sitting outside of Frank Bruno's office and you had Nelly was there. And like, it was such an amazing, I'm getting chills thinking about it. It was such an amazing environment to start in. I feel so lucky. And I have so much, so much gratitude to like being able to start there. Cause when you think about all the people that left, right. All the people that really, you moved on from what was ISI and then 16W and SFX or whatever it may be. Like, it was a star-studded cast. I, mean, I, I had dinner randomly with somebody last night um, who works for this company called Wonder, and she was telling me a story about Evan Frankel. Like, she had just got, like she had just gotten tickets to the Rangers game from Evan mm-hmm. Frankel. I was like, I don't think you realize how amazing Evan Frankel is and was. Like, we would just, like, give him an idea – and a deck would come out like two days later and it was like on a golden platform. And he was just like the, the deck messiah, right? He yeah. sat in the cube and you had, you know, Rini, you know, is going to come on, on the podcast in a couple of weeks. She was down the hall working for the, for the AFL. And you had Gabby Rowe, who was at the NLL. Like we just had so many amazing people, you know, even you and Raskin and obviously Frank and you had Emilio Collins and Zip, so much. It was so much amazing energy that I feel really bad for this next generation because most opportunities aren't like that anymore, right? You don't have the ability to be in an environment like this podcast is cool. Hopefully somebody learned something from it. It's not the same from being in it day in and day out, right? And and that I, I feel bad for kids. I really do. 
It's I, I same. It's got to be unbelievably difficult and challenging. Yeah. People just starting in this industry now, the energy in that place. And look, Fred Frank and Steve's coaching tree is is all time. Yeah. It's an all time roster, and I'm fortunate that I got in there too. Um, and yeah, it's just proliferated throughout the industry, and there was some unbelievable talent there. And yeah, just that energy and being around in those staff meetings and hearing and seeing and the activity and and it was it it was wild and yeah. you know I don't I don't know what if I don't know how these young kids start now and build that Rolodex they don't even call it a Rolodex anymore but uh, <laughs> so I'm really that old man but how you build that network of relationships when you're when you're working remotely you're working yeah. at home. You know, so fortunately, we're coming through COVID and, and people are getting out and meeting and greeting. But like, yeah, I mean, when I used to go to the memorabilia shows, I would walk around. Our secret sauce was just knowing how to get to people. So I yeah. would walk around and I'd walk up to athletes and I'd be like, hey, I'm in the business. This is what I do. I'd love to be able to bring some opportunities to you at some point. How do I get in touch with you? But I had that, that courage and then just aggressiveness to walk up to them and talk to people and you have to be, and you know, this damn thing, it's the best, worst thing ever, the phone. I don't know. I don't know. And, but I was willing to just walk up to them and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm going to do stuff with you in the future. Just tell me how to get in touch with you. Yeah. And, you know, and, and before we get into that more, can you just, can you just tell a little bit about, you know, your, your career path, obviously you're at GC right now and I know everything about where you can, but I think it's, I think it's an interesting kind of, You've done a lot, right? You're at a big agency right now, but you are, I hate the word entrepreneur, but I'm going to use it anyway. You're an entrepreneur and started your own business, right? So just, I guess, yeah. drop a little bit of just on your bio a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've run the gamut. Look, I, I'm a I'm a proud UMass alum. And, um, you know, my fairy godmother, she hates when I say that, but Amy Ehrlich gave me an internship when I was in school. Uh, and I had the courage too. I took my first semester senior year to do an internship in New York City. And you know what? Losing half of your senior year was a big, a big uh, question. Did I was I willing to do that, or did I want to hang out and party? I had the forward thinkingness, uh, if that's the right term, the the <laughs> foresight. I had the foresight to understand. English was I, not your major. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I got a. I got a. I got a. Uh, a sign on my computer in the city, and it says, "Trust me, that brains did not get me here." <laughs> and it, you know what? Because it's hard work, and it's and it's it being is. willing to do whatever the other man or woman isn't willing to do. But Amy gave me that internship and that opportunity, and I seized it. And I and if the hours were eight to six, I was there seven to seven. And Amy gave me that chance, and I worked hard. And then I was the right person at the right time. And when I went back to school, they offered me a job. And like you, you know, the only the bad part was. You know, I graduated on a Sunday and they wanted me to start Monday. So my first negotiation was, can I start Tuesday? And they said, <laughs> okay. So I got a day off to drive home. And I went from ISI, I'm sorry, from PSP was my first job. I had a little stint, too much to tell about here. Um, I went from there, let's just skip over the, the other job, the sports media job. And I, and I started begging Steve Rosner for a job. And Steve ended up hiring me and again, doing whatever it took. I was living in Queens, driving to East Rutherford every day. And I took a huge pay oh, cut. I forgot about that. that. 
And I took right. a huge pay cut to go do that because I had the foresight, now I got the word, to, to look ahead and say, this is where the industry's going. This is what I want to do. I was on the buy side and I said, and it's interesting enough, when I was at PSP, I was buying talent, meaning I was booking appearances and I was doing events at the Super Bowl and the Final Four. And I was calling people like Steve Rosner saying, hey, Steve, I need talent to come to my party. And right. I recognized at a very young age, if I don't get into sales, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an expense and my salary is going to max out. It probably maxed out at, at 22 if I don't start bringing in revenue. So when I saw this opportunity with Steve, I said, Steve, I'm on the buy side. I know what the buyers want. My one year of experience. I know what the buyers want. Let me come work for you and sell what you sell. And he took a chance on me. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that too. But I did, I took a lot of sacrifices and, and went there and got in this amazing agency. And then, you know, they sold ISI to SFX. And SFX, you talk about coaching trees too. The yeah. people in that room, then I got the chance to suddenly I am working with, with the murderer's row of agents and agencies that all Robert Silliman put under one roof. And that's when you get to know and the talent level there and that whole thing, you know, and there were guys like Vino and, and, and people like that that became CAA and we're working with David Falk and Arn Tellum. Arn Tellum's, you know, group are literally Hall of Famers. Like it's going to be Arn Tellum, Rob Palinka, and Bob Myers. Those were three yeah. basketball agents in one office, right? So I'm working yeah. for those people. Those were the people that were giving me the opportunity to represent their athletes and bring opportunities to their basketball players and their baseball players. And I was working with Ben Dagra and Jim Steiner and, you know, speakers of sport and Fern Cusa and Diego Bentz and guys that were like real and Alan and Randy Hendricks. Like we had everybody, we had, you know, 10 Yankees probably when they're winning we had, the World we had Series. 900 clients at one point across the board. It was we insane. Had everything. So I was yep. just so fortunate. But then, you know, that runs the gamut. And then suddenly you're like, again, the same thing with sales. Like I'm selling, but I'm selling for them. How do I sell for myself? Mm. That, you know, like at some point you got to say, I got to just put my balls on the line and, 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 take a shot. I'm young enough. I didn't have a lot of expenses. I, you know, maybe one kid, but who cares? Right. Like <laughs> I can take a shot. And my, my, fortunately my wife was, had my back and I had friends and my, my you know, best friend runs a moving business. He goes, bro, take your shot. And if not, you got a job with me. But so I remember I, we, just real quick there. I remember actually doing side hustle, moving jobs with you too, which was amazing. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, again, Look, I, when I was working for ISI, I was doing bar promotions because Amazing. I needed money. And I had yeah. done this my whole life. And this is the stuff I'm trying to encourage my kids. Like I was in college selling T-shirts, going door to door. I met a guy as a freshman who said, you want to sell T-shirts for me? And I was selling T-shirts, you know, late night uh, at UMass or co-ed naked lacrosse for 10 bucks a piece. I, I like, have many of them. Yes. Yeah, and he's like, I'd, I'd give you a dollar a shirt. I was like, a dollar a shirt? I might sell 50 shirts. That's amazing. Right. And I would meet people and they'd invite me in for drinks. And, I, and I'm a freshman going dorm to dorm, door to door, selling T-shirts. And I always had that hustle. I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I've always worked. And, my, you know, I came from a good background. I'm not that guy. And I'm not going to sit here and say I grew up eating dirt because I didn't. But you know what? I always just knew. I had to do a little bit more. And that was just something that I try and instill in my kids. And it's worked mm. with one or two of the three. 
but we're getting there. Um, uh, but you know, so then I went on on my own and you know what happened is I, I was doing it on my own and it was great. But then I started, I, I actually started bumping into uh, Jordan Bejant, Andrew Whitley in the marketplace. And we're like, why are we competing? And we're their former ISI guys. We all work together. We're like, guys, why are we competing for the same business? Why don't we come together and see what we could form? So Pete Raskin joined us to sort of even out the two there and the two here. And then made four of us. At least it wasn't those two who had their existing business versus right. me. And then we formed the agency very creatively. Because we couldn't agree on an adjective to precede agency. Right. And uh we formed the agency and we did that for eight years and it was amazing. And it was so fun and because it was ours and you know, we'd get a dollar and we'd distribute a quarter a person. And it was you just guys created a great environment in there too, though. That office felt great and your styles and I, and I want to get more into kind of stylistically, you know, cause everybody sells very differently. You and Raskin sell very, very differently and Jordan and Whitley sell very differently in the two of you too. But you, you guys created a really, I remember going in there, right. When I, when I was um, at IMG or when I started, like it felt, it felt exciting in there. It felt like I assignment. It really, it was good. And humble beginnings, man, you know, I mean, yeah. working, we rented space from Ryan Shinman and we were like in a converted dentist's office yeah, but but, and, was, then you, and then you then you took then you took real office space, and it wasn't humble yeah. beginnings. You were in like Grand Central, a really beautiful office. Yeah, then we up and we upgraded, and actually, you know, that was Kenny Dichter and Jesse Itzler were sort yeah. of helping us out too. So it was like people always either took a shine to us, or people were benevolent or self serving, saying, "Hey, these guys do well; it'll benefit me." Yeah. And people looked out for us, and we had these great opportunities to be around smart, successful people, which is something that you always try and do. And again, I do with my kids when my kids want to go to the better college. It's like, you know what? The best people you could surround yourself, surround yourself with winners and successful people. It's going to work out well, hopefully. Um, so we did that. And, and that was a great run. And then we ended up having an opportunity to, to merge, sell, whatever you want to call it. And then we took another shot and we did that for a while. And the, the agency became the legacy agency. And then after a while, you know, five years of that, Jordan went his direction, Peter went his direction, and Andrew and I stayed together. And we continue to build up this, which is now currently renamed as GSC after we took on new ownership. And, you know, we've been doing that for, I don't even know, that's been almost five years now. Um, and, and it's been an amazing run. So I still feel like entrepreneurial. And I tell right. people all the time, like we are entrepreneurs, you know, nobody's telling me what to do, who to call or how to go about it. And as you said, Lonnie, there's a hundred different ways to sell and your sales process has to be, it has to be your sales process. You know, everyone in this industry has their own style and, and it's a little personality, maybe a little what you read and what you see and what your talent or your property is that you're selling has to merge together. Yeah. You know, personally for me, it's always been, you know, I want to be the best conduit. I want to be the best one. Obviously I want to win. I want to maximize revenue for my clients, but it's just, it's also, you know, this business keeps changing and evolving and, and suddenly it's become, you know, as it gets more, 
it's certainly not brain surgery, but as, as it becomes more nuanced and detailed, when you get into social media and, hey, I need this guy or this woman to post at 10 p.m., then I need a screenshot of analytics, and I'm going to need these 10 different levels to execute this program. What I've heard from people on the buy side is they really consider the, the representative almost as much as the talent nowadays. I don't know if you find that, but that, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of buyers. It's like we, really, we consider who's involved because if this agent is just not a good agent or not really diligent or detailed or able to get their clients to do what's necessary, the buyers are going to look bad to their whoever they report to right. or themselves. So again, I try to be a really good conduit because I want that. Yeah. It's hard enough to get the first sale. I agree. Why do you want to work so hard? I'd rather keep doing business with, with the same people. Yeah. So listen, there's a shitload of, as, as you were talking about kind of back in the eye, I said, there's so much to unpack there. Um, I think styles for me, that's what really intrigues me about this, this podcast and this conversation. Cause again, I think back to Rosner styles, drastically different than your style, which is drastically different than Pete's, which and for me personally, it's taken me a while to be comfortable in my own selling skin and be comfortable in kind of what makes me good at what I do, right? And, and listen, I think it's all a lot of learnings and a lot of failures and a lot of fuck ups and a lot of things that kind of over the years, I was like, man, if I really didn't just push there, I should have listened more there. I'm, I, I tell people all the time, my sales style is a punch you in the face sales style, right? That's traditionally what I naturally feel, right? Like I want to just blow into a room and sell you whatever the hell I've got, right? My involvement, though, personally, has been to say, all right, let me understand you more, right? Like, I want to sell you something. Let me be very clear. I want to sell you something. But after you give me information, and after you give me knowledge, and after I learn more about you, if what I don't have, what I have doesn't make sense for you, I'm going to say, hey, it doesn't make sense for you. That took me a really long time to figure out because I'm so revenue driven, right? I'm sure you got the same spreadsheet, the same way that Lowell does, Bryce Samuel does, and with the yeah. same stupid spreadsheet, how many deals, how much revenue we make. But it took me a really long time, even in my, my in like prospecting, right? I still prospect a lot, right? I never make assumptions on emails anymore, ever. I never say to an email, hey, I've got the perfect solution for you, because what the fuck do I know? Yeah, and, right. Like, I don't know anything about their business other than what I might have read in a press release. I don't have enough knowledge, and enough information to be able to say I have the perfect solution. Maybe I do. I'm reaching out because I think I might. Right. But before I'd be like, I've got the perfect solution for you. Here's the proposal. What do you think? It's like, well, what do I think? I think you don't know anything about me. Right. right. It's like you, you don't know anything about my business. You don't know anything about who are ports. You don't know anything about our objectives. You don't you don't know enough to tell me you got something personal. Right. Like perfect. So when I get those emails now, I'm like, I feel the same way. I was like, well, you know, you don't get tons of these emails. Like, yeah. and that that to me is like where this never sell ice to Eskimos came into place, right? It's like you gotta really be aware of who you're selling to and how you learn that information is stylistically. Right. Like when I think about the gamut, I, I think you and me are probably more style wise similar. But there's been guys like Tom Worcester, who I think is probably one of the best sales guys I know. He was the guy that didn't do any of the work, walked into the room, was tall, was good looking, cracked a funny joke and went golfing with somebody and all of a sudden was closing deals. He was he was brilliant at it, like brilliant. Right. At it, right? You know, Raskin is a very different type of sales. 
right? Like he is a, for all the bullshit that he spews, right? <laughs> he is funny, right? He is yeah. likable. And yeah. people have been doing business with him for a really, really long time, right? The same thing with you. And I think that's, to your point, shoving something down somebody's throat. Like it's not just about the sale today. It's about how do you build a relationship over the long term? People want to continue to do business with you, right? Because you can, you know, that to me is how you build a book of business and, and build a business as a whole. Um, and that that's hard to, I think it's hard to teach us, right? I, I when you were talking about ISI. I feel like, well, I know, because I grew up under you in this business. I tell people all the time, the way that I learned to sell, the way that you learned to sell was, here's a phone, here's a phone book, here's our client list, go figure it out, right? Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, it was the biggest blessing. And I think in a lot of ways, it was the biggest curse, right? Because mentorship or teaching, like we didn't really get that, right? Like I got some of it from you, but I learned it by osmosis. Go, go make money, right? The curse to that is teaching other people how to do this shit is not, you know, you, you either have it or you don't, right? And so I, I oftentimes wish like I went into this sales process and I went through a program so I could take that and teach it to other people. Yeah. My curse now is like, I expect everybody just to grab a phone or a phone book and our client lets to go figure it out. But it's not really that easy. No. And, you know, you're right. And I say all these things, look, I didn't grow up that way. Phone, I say, there's a phone, right. there's a desk, there's a computer, go make money. Right. And, you know, the same way, like I just sat in the wake of a few people that were ahead of me and I watched and I said, I want to take a little of that and a little of that. And I'm going to make my own little concoction. And, and that's kind of what I did and kind of what I encourage our young people today is like, look, you're fortunate and cursed that you have 10 bosses. But guess what? You have 10 bosses. Yeah. Take a little of them and then infuse yourself. And, and that's what you got to do. But I, I do to your point. I guess one of the only things I do try and throw into their, into their thinking is consider the person you're talking to. Sorry, we got the dogs barking here. Um, we have rabbits in the dog. Anyway, um, I, I'm just always like, you got to consider that this, this person you're calling at the local car wash, they're not thinking, how do I use athletes to drive business? But when you're talking to them, you got to, before you pick up that phone and make that phone call or send the email or whatever, you have to think who is the recipient on the other side and what is it that they're trying to accomplish today? Because I promise you, nobody woke up and said, how do I affiliate my car wash with this athlete? So right. you have to explain to them in that sales pitch, this is how and why I believe an athlete can effectively help you move the needle on your business. And that's right. what I'm trying to slow down. I appreciate young people that you want to run through walls. And that's great. I do too. And I want opportunities for my clients, but you got to think about the recipient on the other side. Cause they're just thinking, how do I do more of X? How do I sell more of Y? And that's what you right. got to slow down. You know, so the pre-call planning, right? You got to think yeah. for a second before you pick up that phone. See, I didn't do that as a young kid. That took me a long time to figure out. It was There was a lot of wasteful time of just trying to throw everything against the wall and hopefully something sticks, right? Like you want to fill, you always want to sell, fill the sales funnel, right? But filling the sales funnel just for the sake of filling the sales funnel is a fucking waste of time, right? You got to fill it with, you got to fill it with legitimate prospects. And it is all of that 
you know, pre-call planning or building, you know, we used to say, oh, go build a client list in Baltimore for Tony Banks and every single company in Baltimore, go figure out how to get something for Tony Banks. And I would go to the, back then, I'd try to, you know, we would buy an actual physical Baltimore business journal and I would go in there to yeah. start calling, hey, who's your director of marketing? Who's your CMO? Who's your blah, 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 right? Yeah. Like before the internet, um, relatively speaking. But you realize that's a waste of time. Like it really was a waste of time. And with our information that you can get today, the internet allows you to do a lot of that. You know, it, it takes time, but it eliminates a lot of that, right? It, it eliminates kind of um, targeting somebody that makes no sense, right? Yeah. And, but that takes time. And I think that takes, I think it takes kind of um, desire to learn, right? Like desire to actually put yourself in their shoes, to your point, think about it from their perspective, um, and how can you actually help them? The idea right. is to get more people through the car wash. If your athlete can't get more people through the car wash, don't call the damn car wash. Right. right? Unless you've got, you got a, a great solution idea. to a problem right. that they don't even know they have or yeah. an opportunity. Agreed. Uh, absolutely. So that, that's what we're trying to instill and trying to get people to think about. But it's hard. It's it's yeah. really, and it, the business has gotten harder and harder and more and more complicated. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that everyone's trying to accomplish now when you have, you know, social media has just changed our business so much too. Yeah. The, the top of the mountain in the athlete marketing space used to be the national TV commercial. And, you know, in the beginning of the beginning of social media, people are like, oh, it's just a social media campaign. Guess what? That's an endorsement. That's a full yeah. blown deal. Call it what you want. But like the, the, the goal and the target has changed a lot these days. And we're I mean, doing a TV deal is almost more, it's, it's almost more valuable to the athlete than it is to the brand. If you're putting them on a national spot and blowing it out, right? Like you're getting them more exposure. You're, you know, listen, I'm, you see Jason Tatum doing these, I think they're Ruffles commercials, whatever they are right now. Yep. Um, that's a great spot for him. Like he has not been thrust onto the national scene yet. If I'm that chip brand, I'm talking to his agent. As much as that agent wants to say, well, you got to pay me to be on national TV. My response would be like, dude, I'm about to put your client in a branded spot on national television during the NBA finals. Nobody, not that nobody knows who Tatum is right now because he's obviously amazing. Putting him into a different sphere to be considered for all these other spots. It Look, it, it's great. It, it certainly that... Um... Yes, it's still top of the food chain, but there's a lot of different tops of the food chain. Let's put it yeah. that way. And I've had that too, for sure. Like as, you know, Nick Mangold is one of my guys, near and dear to my heart, one of my favorites. He's yeah. an offensive lineman, right? But, but like we did have that. We were fortunate enough to get him in a Bud Light Seltzer national TV spot. And to your point, that, that specific spot led to another opportunity. Someone called me, wow, I didn't know yeah. Nick was funny. I didn't know Nick was this. It led to a TV opportunity. And it was, frankly, it was someone that I was cold calling for a while that wasn't that receptive. Right. And then suddenly they saw the spot, picked up the phone and called me, and we had a deal done within a week. And it. it all was, that was a direct uh, result of that national TV spot. Yeah. And there's yeah. many of those examples. So, yeah, we, we still love them. Um, there's definitely mutual benefit. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, you just think through kind of your career. And I, I, I think a lot about my mistakes, right? Like I, I think a lot about the things I took shots on and, and 
were massive failures, but I learned so much from, right? Like that 50 yard line event, you know, during Super Bowl in New York, man, that, that was, <clears throat> it was the biggest disaster, but it was definitely probably one of my biggest failures. And I probably learned more from that year of trying to pull off this event than anything, than anything else. Right. What are those things for you? Kind of, as you look back the you know, 20 plus years you've been doing this, you're like, man, that was a royal fuck up, but I learned so much from it. Wow. Uh, Do you have those? I mean, I'm sure I have plenty and I have a lot of disasters and I got a lot of chapters to write in a book that right. I'm never going to write. Right. But there, there's, there's many, many, look, I've had a lot of wild bucks that I've represented and worked with guys that have come on to just calm down. But when you get them as rookies, I mean, you know, look, I, I had Indomitian Sue for the first five years of his career. I had Jameis Winston for the first five years of his career and great guy, right. you know, great opportunities. And we did a lot of great things. But God, there were some wild times and, you know, leaving the Thanksgiving table to have conversations with the Lions PR staff and stuff. But like in terms of like, like career fuck ups, I don't know. I love what I do and I don't have a lot of regrets. Regrets in my life might be more real estate transactions I didn't do, buying a, you know, buying a minivan when we should have been buying a, a, a sports car and then, you know, different things like that. But I don't regret my career in any sense, but I do look at like, well, maybe I should have been on field. I'm in football. I'm in this space. I know it well. So instead of chasing nickels for appearance and endorsements, why shouldn't I be chasing hundreds of millions of dollars? I, thought, I think that space. same way, by the way, for years, I've thought about that too. That's the only, if I have a regret, it's like, that's the, maybe the only one where I'd like, maybe there was just a higher calling for me or a bigger yeah. path. Like I'm in I the don't business, mean regrets. But... I mean mistakes, right? Things where you were like, <clears throat> man, I shouldn't have sent that proposal this way or I sold too hard this way or I took a shot on this kind of business thing and it didn't work for these. I don't, I don't, I don't, by the way, I don't ever have regrets on doing 50 yard lunch ever, right? It was, right. it took a year of my life and it was wildly difficult and <clears throat> I don't regret it for a second. It was a massive mistake. I opened up Lobster Press you know, with Fort Joan inside the World Trade Center, inside Penzi, massive mistake. I don't regret it, right? Like, because I learned so much from that process, right? I think that, and this is just me, I kind of take bigger shots, right? I mean, I admire you because you stay within your talent marketing world. Like for me, I don't know, I get really, I get really bored, right? So yeah. uh, you're trying to open up a, you know, fast, casual lobster concept with a client of mine sounded like a really brilliant idea at the time, or, right. you know, doing a, you know, a lounge during the Super Bowl across the street from Madison Square Garden and sub-zero weather popping up. That sounded like a great idea to me at the time. And I, neither of them obviously were, right? But um, any of those, and I guess even if they're not like- I don't know, man. I mean, I just, my regrets are more like deal specific. Like, God, I wish that Starberry didn't, you know, I wish Stephen Barry's didn't go so aggressive. I should have right. been retired. We all should have been retired on Starberry. Right, you know, right. Stephen Barry's got really aggressive and overly expanded and stuff's stuff and he's crazy. And like, that was like an unbelievably, you know, game changing deal. And really Jordan and Peter were driving that one, but like that, that should have been my retirement and, you know, right. I should be done already, but it just, it, it didn't sustain itself. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I apologize, but like off the top of my head, I don't have like, this was a fuck up. Like, this is something I really did wrong. 
And I'm not trying to be arrogant. I've made no, plenty of mistakes, but there might be more like deal, deal, or I said this to someone. Look, Super Bowl, for those that know me well, Super Bowl 43 was my last, my last drink. I haven't had alcohol since Super Bowl 43. <laughs> and all I could say is that night, that could have been career ending. And I just, you know, th- that could have been the night. And I'm fortunate to be alive and I'm fortunate to not have been arrested. And I'm fortunate not to have found a lot of people I was looking for that day to tell them what I thought of them. Right, right. So that, I, I well, that to me is a perfect example, right? Because I do think, at least, at least in, in our industries, right? You know, being aware of the moment that you're in, right? And making sure that you surround yourself with some of the right people and not going over the top, right? Being, again, especially with the phone these days and especially with the way things are communicating. Well, and I had a phone. That is- wasn't for lack of effort. I just, I, you know, I was born under a lucky star and there was yeah. something looking out for me that night. But there were a lot of, I mean, <clears throat> and I always said like, you know, if these things start intersecting with your business and, you, and then the stakes were higher for me because then right, I was right. a little bit older and then I had multiple kids and then I had a house and I had cars and I had like things to think about and the stakes yeah, yeah. got too high. And I said, what the hell am I doing here? What, where's your priority? Like, you got to work, man. And you can't, like, that was the biggest stage in the world. And I really set out to, to self-destruct. Right. You know? <laughs> just, so that, that, that's the only, you know, thing that's jumping in my mind right now. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of things. I, I know there's plenty of things I could have done or said something differently. Yeah. Um, just trying, man. I'm trying hard. Yeah. I continue to try hard every day. And I really do sincerely. I care about my clients. I care about our business. I care about my colleagues. I care about my, my family tremendously. And I'm just trying to represent myself and represent them well. And I think we're a reflection of one another. And that's yeah. where back to this, and this is not my sober journey, but this is back to where it's like, if I'm out in a club at, at Super Bowl at, at two in the morning, hammered and slurring, Am I really representing you well? Like, because they're, it's worse, we're connected. We're, the it's athletes true. we represent, we're connected. So I just felt, for me, that was something that I decided was not worth it. And, and I yeah. miss, there's a lot of people, like you said before about Tom, like the people that really just do that unbelievable. There's people in our industry, there are titans of our industry that do that really well. And they go out and they party with clients. They're the life of the party. And God bless. And they do it really well. Some people are better at it than others. And they wake up in the morning like nothing happens. Nothing. Perfect. And you know what? Ready and to kill the day again. Yep. Yeah. I just had to find my style. That wasn't my style. I wasn't good at it. Some people are yeah. great at it. I wasn't. So I, and I, I've actually tried. So my thing, like I try and do, I'll go exercise with a client because I'm not going to go out and get drunk with them. So that's right. how I'm trying to build relationships. <clears throat> hey, let's go for a run. Let's go for a hike. You know, we're in Arizona for Super Bowl. You guys want to go for a hike? Yeah. You know, you know Frank Mahar and I, we joke around, but every time I see him in Vegas, we're going for a run together. Which is you amazing. We had, we had dinner the other night. I thought you guys were joking. You actually woke up and actually went for a run woke together. Up, went for a run because that's what I have. I got, you got to use, you know, I'm Johnny cliche, but you got to use the arrows in your quiver. And that's what I got. Cause I'm not, yeah. I'm not the guy. I can't go out and get drunk with you anymore. Yeah. You know, I'll still go out and watch you get drunk, but it's not as fun. Yeah, it's definitely not as fun watching other people get drunk. Um, let me ask you just because I wanted, first of all, I, I love this, right? I could sit here and talk to you all day long. Like, I, I really do. Like For me, but, I, but people I, will I, stop listening at some point. Exactly. So when, when you think about what you want to pass on to other people from, again, from a sales perspective, right? Like I always, I always want to 
you know, again, this is our first episode of doing this, but I want to try to pass on, like, what are those tips that you want to give the young kids? Because maybe they're not going to be able to be in the office, or maybe they're not going to be able to have somebody that's helping them along this journey, or maybe they just want to do it on their own because, I don't know, man, social media stars are doing shit on their own, and they're trying to figure out how to sell stuff. Like, what are those kind of tips you want to give to people, maybe a couple of them that kind of you think can help along their journey? I just, I mean, we touched on some, but one is really yeah. consider the person on the other side of the phone. What is it that they're trying to accomplish? How can your product, your commodity benefit them or help them increase their business? You got to take a minute to step back and think. Right. Um, again, I, I think trying to be that good conduit. And like you said, too, not jamming something down their throat. Uh, you know, you got to be able to walk away and just say, you know what? I'm not right for this one. I can't help you. Uh, or look, I would love to help you, but you should talk to my friend he or she or is a better person that could do this. And you right. and I personally have done that. Like, hey, have. you know what? I'm not in the cooking space. I'm not in the culinary space. Talk to Lonnie. He's an expert over there. And, and I think being mature enough and willing to walk away is a great skill too. And, and it's just, you know, really considering that person, staying true to mm -hmm. yourself. And then there's also just things too, you know, I know people use a lot of HubSpot and Salesforce and different software too, but relying on technology to help you, I use my calendar constantly for follow-up reminders. I'm a big, you know, I, I delay emails all the time because I don't need everyone. It, you send someone an email just because I'm a loser sitting home on a Saturday night doesn't mean <laughs> the recipient on the other side. So I might write that email watching the game on Saturday night if I'm doing nothing, but I'll hold it. I'll put it in my drafts. I'll delay delivery. I use my calendar reminder, follow up with this person. I send myself, you know, notes and things to just stay on top of it. You got to have a lot of things out there, a lot of fires in the oven, especially us, you know, our business, your business, anything in the talent space, you could always be doing more for somebody. You're yeah. never sold out. So I want to try and remember everything I can and, you know, you're driving down the road, you see a billboard, I'm writing it down and, and just trying to use the technology and the powerful rocket ship you got in your hand. Dude, I, I do the same damn thing, which yeah. is uh, what I wonder. My fear is that because it's so easy, right? Those small things like, listen, I, I've got, you know, I've got one of these magazines right here that I started, you know, one of the bone apps and one of the food and wine magazines, I'm tearing out pages and I'm literally putting them on my desk so I can follow up with those brands. And it's, going through the magazines instead of just because you can't get that online banner ads are not the same thing as an, a physical ad in the paper that you can rip out and, um, and immerse yourself in your industry too that's the thing too like you know you're watching the game watch the game that's great but really look at what's going on in the stands not just you know what's going on on the court on the ice on the field it's it's blessing in disguise as well right by the way like I'm I'm 100 with you. When I first started in this industry, by the way, I have another mistake that I think you'll appreciate and probably remember that has stuck with me literally for 20 years. But going to games, like I, I have a hard time not doing that. And yeah. well, I just want to focus on the game and looking at everything. Um, but real quickly, just because I I think about this all the time, and it, it really had like a really indelible effect on my life, my career. You took me to a meeting with Kit Geis and Frank Mahar at Genesco Sports in Connecticut years ago. I think it was one of the first meetings you ever took me to. And Genesco was representing Pepsi at the time. And I'm a Diet Coke drinker. And they took us out to lunch. And I'm so mad at myself, like, to this day. 
they took us out to lunch and it was kit was like i don't know maybe she was the vp and frank was just getting started there it wasn't whatever and they all ordered i was like oh, i'll take my burger and i'll have a diet cook and i was like like the word came out of my mouth and i was like i am so sorry i was like yeah. in that moment it was one of those realizations that like i've got to be better i got to be more thoughtful this is the agency that you can get fired for walking through an airport if you've got anything coke related on your, yeah. on your thing right so that was the moment to me where and i remember walking into the jets facility you know a couple of years ago and um, i had a diet coke and i took the outside off because they were pepsi yeah. facility right those moments where you have to be aware of your surroundings and that was like I, i'll never forget it but ever for the rest of my life because i remember you looking at me be like are you some kind of fucking asshole <laughs> that i just brought you to this meeting with this agency and they represented a lot of brands at that time and yeah. like hey schmuck like be yeah. smart enough even at your young age to like realize the moment that you're in think know your audience man it's yeah, you gotta know your and, audience and, and i i've told frank the story which you know guy I, I think what's amazing is that you can maintain those relationships. You know Frank Mahar for 25 plus years. I've known Frank for a long time. I don't really do business with Frank ever. I can't remember the last deal that Frank brought me, right? right. But I still call him. It's still not necessarily about closing deals. It's about, hey, well, let's catch up. Let me learn about what you're doing. Maybe there is something we can be doing yeah. together. I'm not calling, seeking out to fleece him. I'm calling out to learn about what he's got going on. And I can okay. pick his brain and say, hey, at Pepsi, are they doing anything at Super Bowl? I know you got a lot of NFL clients and we represent chefs. Like, what are they doing? And he's always open and honest. And he, he knows comfortable enough to be like, dude, I got nothing for you. Yeah. Right? Which is which I appreciate more than anything because I'm not wasting my time either. It's a great sign of maturity for you. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I do think the, the relationships I do that I think that we take for granted, um, I think is, is vital. It, right, like those are the things back in the days where we were at, when we were at Assifex and we were in the Candler building, and I remember sitting in my office and I don't remember Peter, you know, or somebody just they were about to go to a meeting and they were, it was with a CMO or it was like whoever it was, and I was like, how the hell are they able to get these meetings with CMOs and VPs of marketing? Because I, I was like calling account managers and blah blah blah. And I realized 15 years later, and it, it really is because of everybody that that I was surrounded with, that like. The people you maintain relationships, that assistant becomes a director and then becomes a VP and they grow up, right? Like never to realize there's nobody too small, right? Nobody too, like everybody no. is somebody and they grow up, right? They're if you're, all in this business already. 100%. So treat them well. You never know where, where they're going to go. Absolutely. And it's yeah. hard to, but you got to do it. I and agree. You should I do agree. it self-servingly and just human for, as a human. Human to human reason. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, listen, I love this, I, and I appreciate you, and, and you're my guinea, you're my guinea pig for this Never Sell Iced Eskimos podcast that I'm, I'm now, as I'm talking to you, thinking about, um, you know, when this is going to launch. So, man, I, I appreciate you, and I, I really do love you, Russ, and uh, I thank you for your friendship and your mentorship and um, for hiring me years ago, too. Awesome. Thank you for All including right, me. Never forget your first. That's all right, bud. This all will right. be a trivia question one day. Hit them straight, dude. Hit them straight this afternoon. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, buddy.